Hey everybody, welcome back to Kenzie's Bible Study Podcast. I'm Mackenzie, the girl behind the post-it notes, and uh, we are in the book of Exodus. Um, we're g- jumping into chapter 13 today, and last time I left you with this question to think about, to talk to people about, wrestle with, what's a moment that you see in your life where God divided time, and you know, what is it that you know about God now that you didn't know then, and what's funny is I was thinking about that, and I could pick a lot of things, but right now I'm in, I think I'm in one of those moments, so I'll have to come back to that question, because um, I don't know what it is yet. Um, I could choose something else, but it's kind of interesting, you know, and acknowledging, like what we talked about before, acknowledging moments that divide time. Um, I'm acknowledging that right now. I'm in the middle of one of those moments, so we will just jump into Exodus 13. We're out of Egypt and on the way to the promised land. Um, and what's interesting is God takes a year for them to get to the promised land. And it's likely an intentional thing because it's God. Um, he's intentional, uh, because God got them out of Egypt, but now the year in between is uh, likely to get the Egypt gunk out of them. You know what I mean? Um, Egypt is a picture of the world, and, and this is true for us. God got us out of the world by the work of Jesus on the cross. You believed in Jesus, your name's written in the book, and you are destined for the promised land of heaven. But just like the Israelites, we still have a journey. Um, and it's a journey to prepare us for that promised land. Eternity with Jesus forever. Get the Egypt gunk and, out and bring in the kingdom qualities. Um, so keep that in mind. And let's look at the start of that journey from for the Israelites. And the first place we saw last time um, that they go is called Sukkoth. Um, and this means booths or tents, a stopping place. But it wasn't the destination, right? Tent town. Um the world is not our home either. You're just passing through. It's like Sukkoth, a place to set up your tent for the night, but it is not the destination. And when we have that perspective that we are not at the destination yet, it changes how we approach this life. Um, it, it changes how things even affect us. And honestly, I think we can enjoy life more when we know that this is temporary. We lose When we lose sight of that fact, it's immensely frustrating because this isn't the end. Um, but before packing up and going from the first stop to the next one, the Lord tells Moses, hey, pause, slow down. Verse one, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Consecrate, or that means to set apart your families and even your animals. Dedicate your firstborn to the Lord. Why this now? Like, remember just what just happened in the nation. They just escaped from... Um, They are mourning the loss of every Egyptian firstborn child from the night of Passover. So God says here, hey, dedicate your children to me because I'm taking care of them. And, you know, it's funny. We still do this today. We dedicate our children when they're born to the Lord. So verse three, Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Today, in the month of Aviv, you are leaving. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you are to observe this ceremony in the month. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast, and on the seventh day, hold a festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days, nothing with the yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be anywhere within your borders. On that day, tell your 
son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance, verse 9, will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder to your on your forehead that the, this is the law of the Lord and it is to be on your lips. The, for the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. You must keep this ordinance at the appointed time year after year. Verse 11, after the Lord brings you out of the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised and on oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. So the, the lamb, we know that's such a picture. The lamb is Jesus. And looking at this, I imagine that we're the donkey. The donkey itself is mentioned about eight times in the Old Testament. And you see the donkey saddled up and tied up and wandering or told to be left for dead. And man, that's us too. Tied up by sin, wandering, left for dead. But the eighth mention of the donkey is in Zechariah. It says, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of daughter." Jerusalem. See your kingdom comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, which is so cool because it's referring like it's prophecy when Jesus, he comes into Jerusalem on a donkey, not like the great Romans or anyone who's revered as important. They'd come on like a stallion, a great horse with power and being pompous. But Jesus came lowly. He came on the donkey for the lowly. Jesus likes to use donkeys and that's encouraging to me. You see all throughout scripture that the donkey is useless and wandering. It should be left for dead. Even in this scripture, it says the donkey, hey, break its neck unless it's redeemed by a lamb. Oof, you and me too, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Verse 14, in the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of the people and animals in Egypt. This is why a sacrifice to the Lord, the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand or a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. Verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. That's interesting. He took them a different way. I wonder why. Um, maybe just like look into it because I'm not sure. And I didn't really... A research on that piece, but it's interesting. For God said, if they face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. Oh, that's the reason why. So God led the people around by the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. So it's interesting. Like he leads them in a different place because God, God sees some, a bigger perspective than they do. They probably were like, Hey, that's the shorter way. But God realizes that if they go that way, um, it, they might turn back. And so he doesn't want to put them in that situation. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. Um, after leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By the day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way by day and by night, a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Wow, this is kind of cool, right? Like neither the pillar of cloud by day or the 
pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Like God like physically went before them. Like we always say that like, oh, God goes before you, whatever. Like in this, he really was. He's like the cloud going before them or the fire going before them. Truly. That's so cool. Um, so what can we learn from this chapter? I just have one point actually. Um, and I thought it was really cool. Consecrate and commemorate dedicate what you have to the Lord, your family, your animals. Um, and I'd stretch to say your resources, your work, your purpose, and your people. Um, this is just an act to acknowledge the sovereignty of God, that you have what you have because of God. You see in this over and over, he acknowledges like, hey, do this because God's mighty hand brought you out. You're out of Egypt because of God. He keeps saying that over and over again. And so it's an act of humbling yourself before God. So come and then commemorate, celebrate what God has done. Um, I just think we should have more holidays. You know, no one's stopping you. If God did a miracle in your family, make that a holiday in your family. Like, hey, remember when God brought our family back together after such division? Yes, January 20th, 20, 2015, whatever date. I just made that up. But every January, we have dinner to celebrate and remember that God did that for us. We were divided over this thing and now we're back together. We're going to have dinner. Um, I also just think we need more fun in our lives. We sometimes things take things way too seriously. Um, I remember my pastor Joe once saying, um, not to take life too seriously, but take God incredibly seriously. Take those moments that divide time, like we talked about last time, and make it a time to commemorate and reflect on um, the faithfulness of God. And, you know, maybe I'm just a big fan of celebration. I'm a big fan of parties and dinners. And Jesus said to do this too, right? Communion. Do this in remembrance of me. Have dinner. Break bread. Drink wine. Honor me get together to remember the faithfulness of God, the sacrifice of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. Um, I think that's so cool. I think about, I've got some friends who are um, Jewish Christians and they do lots more celebrations than we do or lots more dinners and things like that. I'm like, I feel like we should be taking that up, but that's just my thought. But here I also love in verse eight, it says, on that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Pass these commemorations, these celebrations of the faithfulness of God to your children. This is how faith is passed generation to generation. It is caught, not taught. They even brought Joseph's bones to the promised land, honoring and holding on to the generations that came up before them in, into the future. And, you know, there's a whole lot more to the bones, uh, you know, all that stuff. But I just love this generational picture of them being honoring of what Joseph had asked them to do and also just of the generations that came before them, bringing Joseph's bones to the promised land. And this is honestly one of the best ways to ensure that your faith isn't just a box that you pick up on Sundays and then place it back down. You grow in your faith as you weave it into every aspect of your life. Dedicate moments to the Lord. Dedicate your things to the Lord. Dedicate your people to the Lord commemorate and celebrate moments of God's faithfulness, commemorate and celebrate miracles, big or small, commemorate and celebrate as a rhythm. Um, so there's more to this, of course, but I just really like this idea. And I just wanted to stay there. Consecrate, commemorate, celebrate. Keep it really simple today. So what I'll leave you with today is 
choose something to celebrate. It's not a question to wrestle with or anything like that. Choose something to celebrate. Choose something to dedicate or commemorate. And that's it. It's more action oriented. It's much more fun if you invite people into it. Like, hey, I want to celebrate that God got me this job or let's make dinner and celebrate. I want to celebrate and commemorate that time a few years ago that I survived that car accident. It doesn't matter if it was that long ago or if it was a long time ago or not that long ago. It doesn't matter. Just choose something. I think it'd just be a really fun thing to do this week, especially because it's beautiful weather outside. It's summer, um, unless you're listening to this at a later date. You know, there's that. But anyways, thank you for joining me. Next time we'll jump into chapter 14. We'll kept it pretty simple today. Um, but I hope you have a wonderful week. Connect with me on social media at Kenzie's underscore Bible um, and have the best time. Bye. 